The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. And we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in the Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win a million dollars. That's right. A million dollars, and make sure to tune into Draft Day on 7-13, that's July 13th, where Ryan Kramer will attempt to draft for 24 hours straight. That's underdogfantasy.com. And finally, do not forget to download the SGPN app. It's available now in the App Store and Google Play Store, so make sure you download that today. Howdy ho, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. This would be episode 53, so uh, 53, we have to dedicate it to Chocolate Thunder, Double D, Doc, Dr. Doc, Sir Slam, Zendok and the Mad Donker, Donkey very much. That would be Daryl Dawkins, the former NBA player that's known for smashing backboards before they were spring-loaded. So this goes out to you, Doc, and all those other names. Um, I would be Jeff Fox, your host of the show. Thank you for stopping by to listen to us talk about the most de- degenerous thing of all, which is betting on people beating each other up. Um, like I said, this is the MMA Gambling Podcast. Hopefully you're listening to us on our specific feed for the MMA Gambling Podcast. If not, uh, make sure um, you do subscribe to that and because uh, we will be on there exclusively fairly soon. We won't just be on the S. GPN uh, feed as we are now. Um, so we got a big show for you today because we have a big pay-per-view coming up, UFC 264, which I've been calling 254, I think, for a lot of times, but I've finally included it. It's actually 264. 254 was, what, 10 months ago. So, um, so rather than me ramble on with my nonsense I usually like to do off the, off the top, I think we should get right down to it. Plus, to pull back the curtain a bit more, we're actually – going to be doing two podcasts today recording two today because uh, i am actually dis- disappearing and going off the grid next week so we're going to be recording our usc fight night makachev versus moises um preview today also and my associate co-host there's only so much of me he can he can stand i'm sure so we'll we'll, we'll try to get to uh get things done in a uh quick and efficient manner today so that associate um Co-host doesn't really need much of a introduction. All you regulars know who he is. He, he's the king of the purple belts, king of the Gogo Plata, king of our hearts. It's Daniel Gumby Brindley. Oh, geez, I got the short one today. Does that mean all my picks Triple are going to suck? Isn't, isn't that the, the thing we know? Is that if it uh, yes. the shorter the intro, the worse my picks are? Yes. So is that and, an yeah, intentional hope- pregame jinx? No, well, we just we got we got important work to do, Dan. I got a bunch of questions from the degenerates on our on our uh, SGPN Slack channel. They have a bunch of questions about Connor and Dustin and all that fun stuff. So I, th- I thought we better get down to it. Plus, mostly, like I said, there's only so much of me you're going to be able to stomach. And, <laughs> and having to do another podcast today with me, you know, we're going to be pushing our luck. So 
don't want to push your luck too much. So. Well, then let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. Um, are you excited at all for like this? Conor McGregor fights excite you at all anymore? Because I don't really like. It, it's good because it, you know uh, we get more listeners. We get I get more viewers on my MMA Dash Manifesto site. I get more people reading my articles on uh, Sports Gambling Podcast. But I really don't get opera excited for his fights. Like they're, they're not really big deals to me anymore. But maybe I'm jaded. How about yourself? Uh, I'm not. I'm not really up for that fight specifically. Um, and we'll we'll get to some of the reasons why. But I am interested in it enough that, like, you know, like the, the narrative that Connor makes improvements in between uh, a, the original match and a rematch, which I'm, I'm basically just considering this a rematch, not a trilogy fight. The first one was seven years ago, for Christ's sake. So right. the, the narrative that he might be better in rematches and he makes adjustments well, I mean, it's enough to make me intrigued that there, there could be any possible outcome here. Um, but there are there are probably four or five fights on this card that I think are going to be way more fun to watch than that one even. Yeah, that's that's maybe the thing that um, MMA and UFC uh, specifically has over boxing. It's it's not never they're never just a one fight card or uh, with with a couple of inconsequential uh, undercard fights. It's, you know, it, uh, a lot of times the curtain jerker fight will be even better than, than what the main event will, will bring uh, to your eyeballs. Yeah. I, I, although I won't, I won't say that about the curtain jerker on this fight card, nor the second mm-hmm, fight maybe on this not. fight card, but, but yes, uh, generically speaking, you are correct. Yes. Generically speaking, I am always correct. All right. Um, <laughs> the card does not, on paper, it doesn't rank very well. I, I do card rankings on MMA-Manifesto.com. So if you if you find the um, if you go to the homepage and you find my um, fight card for UFC 264, which will give you a, not it'll give you all the matchups, uh, it'll give you all the fighters' rankings in the performance ranking uh, system that I have uh, I figured out there. It'll give you like links to scouting parts that Dan and myself have done, stuff like that. But it also um, I rank the Fight cards based on how strong it is on paper, based on how highly ranked the fighters are. This one does not rank very high, which wasn't really much of a surprise because um, I, I give more weight to title fights. There's no title fights here, and uh, Mr. McGregor is not the most active fighter, um, and I base this on their performances over the past five years. And he, I don't even know how many fights he's had over the past five years. He, he has a few wins, but but not a lot, so he's not ranked super high. So I'm not surprised that. That the card doesn't um, blow others out of the water in terms of ranking. It actually comes in below average. But like I said, most of that is based on no title fights. Um, mostly UFC or a lot of UFC cards recently have at least one, but mostly uh, sometimes two, sometimes even three title fights on uh, on the night. And uh, as for McGregor, I'm checking past five years, he's fought five times, three and two. So He's not. He's my seventh ranked lightweight, forty second uh, ranked fighter in in all of the UFC. So he's not um, super ranked guy just because he doesn't fight often enough. But hopefully, maybe that'll change. Um, he's this is his second fight already this year. He just fought Mr. Poirier a few months back. Um, so hey, let's get right down to it. But first, let me tell you about WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Jonas promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. 
let's kick things off with um, this will be 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, the early prelim start on ESPN Plus and UFC Fight Pass. Then 8 p.m., uh, we have the prelim card on the big ESPN along with ESPN Plus. And then the main card will be on pay-per-view at 10 p.m. Eastern time. And we'll kick things off with uh, the fight that Dan alluded to that he's very excited <laughs> about. Is, is, it, is it this middleweight fight? It Alan is, is 100% this middleweight fight. Yeah, and this is Hugh Yao Zong. This is the weirdest uh, fight that could have come about to kick off a card like this. All right, well, let's let's uh, get into it and, and figure out why. Um, Yao Zong, nicknamed Totoro, which doesn't translate to anything in their language. Amadovsky has no nickname, so I guess Yao Zong wins the nickname battle by default, um, unless Totoro means something horrible. Um, but like I said, I couldn't find translation for it. He is barely fought. Um, he's three and, <laughs> three and two as a pro. Two knockouts, one submission. Um, so basically, he's finished all his fights. That's a positive. He's 0-2 in the UFC, so he's 3-0 and before, when he got into the UFC. How did he get signed? I don't even remember. He's been out since September 2018 was his last fight. Do yeah. you remember how? I, I mean, like, I, I think, so at 3-0, and he got signed to the UFC, uh, which, first of all, is not a lot of fights. But he got, he, no. he made his debut at UFC Bisping versus Gastelum, which I don't know if you remember, took place in Shanghai. Um, right, okay, so I'm yeah. assuming they were just trying to snatch up enough local talent to fill out the card. You know, 3-0 yeah. guy willing to fight at, at that time. He was fighting at heavyweight. Um, so, like, willing to fight at heavyweight on, I don't know, was it short notice against Surreal Asker? Or was it just, you know, like, he, he's a, um, yep, can confirm it was on short notice. So they got, like, a local boy to fill in on short notice against the heavyweight while he was willing to fight a heavyweight. I mean, I think that's the route in, but you're right. Like, he lost in 2017, as you mentioned, his second fight, down at light heavyweight. He lost in 2018, and we've been waiting almost three years to see who Yao Zong fight again. I don't know. Have we been waiting? Has, has, anyone, <laughs> actually, has anyone actually been waiting to see this guy fight? Does anyone even remember this guy? Because I, I don't know if I remember him. Yeah, usually you don't see people with records like this unless they come in off like the Ultimate Fighter or something like that. In in like a newer weight class, like women's straw weight, you saw some some of the women's there. Since it was a new weight class, you, you saw some women with barely any uh, fights on the record. But yeah, this is a strange one. But uh, regardless, let's finish breaking down um, what we have for him. So like Dan said, he did fight at heavyweight before, so uh, he will be a bigger man here. He's got five inches of height over Emadovsky. Um He's also seven years younger. He's got striking stats in his favor based off of a fight metric or UFCstats.com. I compare all the fighters' striking stats um, and then whatever fighter has better strike stats than their opponent. That person gets my nod as the better striker. He also has nine, lands nine times more strikes per minute than Amadovsky does at this point. This is just based off of two fights for both those guys, so we're talking the small sample size. Uh, he also has a grappling stats in his favor, but uh, as I just uh, alluded to, there is a, a, a small sample size here for both guys. Uh, he's at plus 125 if you're interested in getting some money uh, in on him. Amadovsky, also a bit of an unknown quantity, 8-2 and two with 8 knockouts, so he's a finisher also. You may want to bet this one to be a finish, regardless of who, who you pick to win. Both guys uh Finished all their fights thus far that they've won. Uh, he is also 0-2 in the UFC. He got knocked out his last fight, but that was way back September of 2019. So he's been out almost two years. Uh, his opponent's been out almost three years. Before the UFC, he was 2-0 in Bellator. He's got, despite being much shorter, he's got two inches of reach. Uh, he's at minus 155 
I'll take the favorite here, but like like I know anything about all of these guys other than the stuff I just named off. I'm actually going to take Hu Yaozong. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, look at this. We're getting different right off the bat. So That's I, rare. I, I would say in these types of fights, if you are trying to pick somebody, first of all, you, you just kind of have to go by whatever you saw last. Like, you, you can't uh, – I, I don't think you can make a pick looking at, like, training videos or looking at, you know, this or that about them or saying, you know, oh, this guy dropped a weight class. He's going to be this or that. But I can tell you a couple of things that I really do like about Hu Yaozong the last time I saw him fight is he fought Rashad Coulter, who's, you know, not no longer with the UFC anymore. But, like, hey, he is a, a damn good fighter out of Texas and a pretty damn big light heavyweight. And he did an exceptional job of pushing Rashad Coulter up against the cage and controlling him there. Um, and one of the things about Amandowski is I, I don't really trust his cardio all that much because he is – very muscly for the weight class. Uh, like you mentioned, he's he's shorter and stockier, but it ain't because he's fat. It's because he's really muscle-bound. And he looks so tense and throws so much into every single one of his strikes that I kind of expect that style of Hu Yazong to just absolutely wear him out. I, I think he's going to put him up against the cage, make him tired. Um, and, you know, like if you look at, at some of the finishes that Yazong has, which, granted, against very low-level competition on the Chinese regional scene, they are later in the fights. Like, he's got a TKO in the third round. He's got one in the second round. Like, he has a way of, of sort of draining fighters. And the fact that he was able to do that to a light heavyweight, and now he's going to be moving down, I'm going to half assume that he's in a good training camp. You know, I, I know he used to train at Jackson Wink. I, I heard now he's training at Tiger Muay Thai. Like, I got a lot of faith in that, whereas Amandowski is fighting, I believe, out of some Italy gym that I've never heard of. Um, you know, he's older. You got to assume that the the progression of a fighter at 33 versus the progression of a fighter at 26 is going to be in the wrong direction versus, you know, like, a 26-year-old can make leaps and bounds in one fight. So, yeah, I actually like Hu Yazong in this fight. Then I switch my pick. Ah, uh, I don't, I don't know if you can, but I'm <laughs> glad that I'm that persuasive. But it's not just that. Plus, I'm looking like a seven-year age gap is pretty big. Uh, age does actually play um, a role. Sixty percent of the time, the younger fighter wins, and this is a pretty. The wider the gap, it seems, the higher. I don't have the actual stats, but I believe the the numbers higher. Um, the wider the gap. Plus, like he's got all small sample size, but it's it's. Uh, small sample size on both both sides. Are they both have, have fought twice in the octagon? He does have all the stats in his favor. So if his, if I think it's going to be a almost a dice roll, why not go with the plus money and the guy who has at least some of the indicators saying that he's going to win in his favor? So I don't know why I picked Amandowski to begin with. So I mean, if if you do look at Amandowski in like the the first fight he had, I will say his hands look quick. The striking doesn't necessarily look all that polished in granted he was fighting Christoph Jaco so I mean like there there are reasons to like Amandowski I you know I, I wrote this off as being kind of a weird matchup because we haven't seen either in roughly two years and one of them in nearly three years but there's stuff to like about him but I just think you know like the size of of who is just gonna do a lot of damage here okay let's do it I am flip-flopping already. I'm going <laughs> to ride with Dan, which pretty much guarantees Dan's going to get a loss here. So I'm, I'm going to drag him down with me. Uh, I don't think he's we're, – we're too excited about the next fight either. This is another couple of guys who do not have a win yet in the UFC. Flyweights, Zalga Zumagulov versus Jerome Rivera. Uh, 
um, Rivera, nickname The Renegade, who he wins the nickname battle because Double Z does not have a nickname. I think I just gave him his nickname, Double Z. Um, Rivera, 10 and 5, 7 submissions. He has been knocked out three times in the UFC, which is rare for a small, uh, lighter weight class, like he's in flyweight. Uh, yeah, flyweight currently. Um, he is 0-3 in the UFC. He got knocked out his last fight, but that was way, two weight classes up, which is pretty wild. He was fighting at featherweight. Was that short notice, too, against Ode Osborne? I think it was, right? It was, and Ode was supposed to, here's the weird thing about that one. Ode was supposed to fight that fight at, uh, I believe 135, and so, okay. so Rivera took it on short notice and it had to go up a weight class. But then in addition to that, like, Ode fights at flyweight so i'm not sure i'm ready to write it off on on rivera being up a weight class because ode is supposed to fight i think later this month or early august at flyweight as well so true they, they were both up big true all right um so anyhow he lost he got knocked out so he's going through in the ufc he he was well on the contender series the anyway contender series that's why he got into the big show here he's six inches taller six inches six inches of reach and seven years younger plus 280 Double Z, as I, I am referring to him, he is 13-5 and five with six knockouts, one submission. He's also 0-2 in the UFC. Striking and active striking stats in his favor. Grappling stats in his favor, minus 375. What are you thinking on this one? I actually think I'm going to go underdog, underdog to start off this card. Uh, I think yeah. I'm going to go with Jerome Rivera. Part of it is that I like how large the number is. Like I, I think yep. this fight is fairly close. But Jerome Rivera, would you just say 275? 280. 280. Even, was one I looked up, yeah. E- even better. So so the fact that he's coming in at 280 seems good to me because the reach advantage is really pronounced, right? And the, the yes. height advantage is really pronounced. So I like that about him, especially because I kind of feel like the Zuma Gulov's only real way to win this fight is to get in close and get takedowns. And, and I haven't been really impressed with his ability to keep fighters down. Like, he got Amir Albazi down, but, like, not for long. He got Rallon Pivia down, but again, not for long. You know, Jerome Rivera looks a little bit rougher off of his back than those two, so I do expect Zuma Gulov to take him down, but as long as he works himself back to the feet, I actually think he probably wins a striking battle pretty easily because in the third round, when he moved forward against Francisco Figueredo, I mean, he won that round easily against Little Figueredo, and like, that's a tough out right there. He's Figueredo, and it just shows that, like, when Jerome Rivera is confident in his hands and is confident moving forward, he actually is much better than an 0-3 record seems to suggest. With Zuma Gulov not being a knockout threat, I, I like Jerome Rivera in this fight. All right, I'm going to take Zuma Gulov, but, but uh, yeah, I... The the size differential does give me uh, cause for pause, but I'll I'll go with um guy with the better striking stats and the betting favorite. That, that's the two key uh, top indicators for for picking winners of a fight. Favorites win sixty seven percent of the time. Guys with better striking stats win sixty six percent of the time. So I'll I'll take those two and um, go with it. But uh, Rivera, he, he's got a very very good case here. This could be one of the, one of my uh, legendary loser leaves town matches. You would probably the first the first match too could be that. Uh, I, I, it's gotta be right. Like, yeah. <laughs> the UFC is on a bit of a, a bit of a cutting spree. They just got rid of seven fighters within the past couple of days. So um, yeah, good chance if you go zero and three or zero and four, then you're going to be looking for work elsewhere. So all right, let's move on to middleweights. These guys have actually won before in the UFC, so that's a uh, that's a rare thing for this card. We've got. 
Omari Akhmadov versus Brad Tavares. Uh, Akhmadov is the Wolverine. Tavares is nothing. So Tavares loses. Akhmadov wins the uh, nickname. Nickname game. Um, Akhmadov, 21-5-1 with seven knockouts, six submissions. He's 9-4-1 in the UFC. He's won four of his last five. He won his last fight via submission. Grappling stats in his favor, plus 135. Uh, Brad Tavares, 18-6 with five knockouts, two submissions. Tavares, is one, he was one of the guys I think I I was trying to remember who it was a few episodes back, but he's one of those guys who I think of him as like a finisher, but he just doesn't finish fights. So, and this actually, if I remember correctly, this is the guy that Dan likes to grapple over too. So this should be fun. <laughs> Brad Tavares, just out of the blue, you bring stuff up uh, something about Brad, Brad Tavares. I'm so pretty sure it's, I, it's, I just pair him with everybody else whenever we're doing <laughs> matchmaking. We're like, ah, I don't know, Kelvin Gastelum needs a step back. Uh, Brad Tavares, uh, I don't exactly. know, Ed, Edmund Shavazian needs a step back. Uh, Brad Tavares. <laughs> Brad Tavares. Uh, Akhmadov needs to step back, and now he's got Brad Tavares. So um, half of his pro loss have come via knockout. He's been knocked out three times. He's 13-6 and six in the UFC. Uh, he's won one of his last three. He won his last fight. Uh, lost his two fights before that. Inch taller, one inch reach, minus 170. I'm going to get some sweet, sweet uh, underdog money here, and I'll take Akhmadov at plus 135 and hope his wrestling can carry the day here. Yeah, I'm going to go underdog three in a row. Um, I'm going to take Omari Akhmadov too, uh, largely because, like you said, uh, I think the wrestling carries the day. Um, I think ultimately Brad Tavares is a guy who has kind of gotten by stifling people's wrestling once in a while and having some decent wrestling of his own. But also, like, he's got a lot of wear and tear on his his body right now. He got taken down once by Shoeface. And, and granted, he got up and won that fight. But, like, while Shoeface has got great jujitsu, he's kind of got shitty wrestling. Um, like, if, if you go back, he actually got out-wrestled by Ian Heinish. Uh, if you remember that fight, like, Ian Heinish out-wrestled out Shoeface. So, for, for Shoeface to have success here against Tavares, and remember, Akhmedov, despite the fact that we wrote him off on that loss that to Chris Weidman, like, I actually think he is a really, really good wrestler for this division, which doesn't have a lot of those. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're going to see what will probably be a pretty boring fight here uh, with kind of just... Omari Akhmedov just controlling for as long as possible. Yay, boring fights. Hooray. All right. Um, it won't be boring if the underdog wins and we get plus money, though. That, that will that will um, make it interesting. All right. So the main event of the early prelims um, would be women's flyweights, Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I. Um, once again, only one nickname, Evil I, wins the nickname battle because she's the one with the nickname. Um, so... Ms. Evil I is 15 and 9 with one no contest, three knockouts, one submission, so she does not finish fights. That's something to keep in mind if you're betting this one. Uh, 5 8 with one no contest in the UFC. She's 0 and 2 over her last two, and she's only won one of her last four. Uh, she's missed weight twice, that's something to keep in mind. Um, she used to, what, used to be featherweight, right? I, yeah, she was featherweight before, ba- was she not? Bantamweight, ba- bantamweight. Bantamweight, I'm sorry, yes. Bantamweight, featherweight yes. doesn't exist. <laughs> no, it does, but it does. there's a champ, but it doesn't exist, right? Yeah, so she was a weight class higher. Now she seems to miss weight. Uh, flyweight, um, before the UFC, she was 3-0 in Bellator. She's got two inches of height on Maya, two inches of reach on her also. She's a more active striker of the two. She's got better grappling stats. She's at plus 160. Uh, Maya, 18-7-1 with four knockouts, five submissions. 3-3 three three in the UFC. 
won in two of her last three, lost her last fight. Last fight was the championship fight against Valentina Shevchenko, I believe. So this would be her bounce back fight, possibly if you're going to uh, pick her. She's also missed weight twice, so um, maybe this will be a wash. Um, she was four and two in Invicta before this, where she was the champion of flyweight, I guess. I forgot to write. I, I think she was flyweight champion. Um, what else can I tell you about her? She's two years younger, minus 200. What are you thinking, Dan? I'm going, dog, four in a row. Get ready for this. Really? Uh, I'm going to take Jessica I. Uh, I. I think she's being badly underrated in this fight. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I, I, th- I actually think Jennifer Maya is being overrated. Like, if, if you look at her... I mean, man, you can go her last six performances uh, if you really want to go that far back. I mean, she's 3-3 three and three in those, and I don't think she's looked good in any of them with the exception of the Calderwood one, and that one was short. And, and to be fair, I mean, like, Calderwood took her down, right, if, if I'm remembering this correctly. Uh, and, like, I, I didn't find what she did there all that impressive. I didn't think she deserved a title shot. She had just gotten badly outworked by Caitlin Chokagian. She's got that win over Roxanne Matafari, but it, like that, even that one she didn't look great in. You know, like, I, I thought, like, you know, if, if we're talking about somebody as a title challenger, she should be, you know, kind of running through Roxanne Matafari, and I, I don't think she did that at all. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think Jennifer, or, uh, Jessica I, rather, on the other hand, has actually had more impressive performances if you look back at, you know, the last few years. Like, yeah, she's coming off a loss to Calderwood and the loss to Cynthia Calvillo. She actually looked pretty damn good against Vivian Arruyo. I mean, she took that split decision over Caitlin Chokagian, who's still ranked, I think, number two in the UFC's division, uh, flyweight division. I mean, yeah, she got knocked out by Valentina Shoshenko in brutal fashion, but she's also got a win over Jessica Rose Clark and... I mean, like, if you want to go way back, she actually looked good against Misha Tate years ago on the feet and, and pushed her to the brink. So, yeah, I think I like Jessica I in this fight, and especially, like, again, if, if we're going to put a price tag on this, I mean, I really like the price tag on her, too. And to be fair, her la- her last three losses were to Calderwood, Calvillo, and the champ Valentina Shevchenko. So, not ex- not exactly slouch as she's been up against. Uh, regardless, I- I'm I'm going with Maya, but this is probably a closer one than than the odds um, on the board are are giving out. So we'll put Dan for a so that. That's dogs for the whole. I've gone all on the early prelims. We are going dog centric. Wow. So hey, if I hit two of them, we're in the plus though. We're in, we're in the black yeah, with with two of them. That's yeah. That's um, that's a strategy right there. <laughs> it, it, is it a is it a strategy or is it just something that happened? It, it is something that happened. Uh, I actually took the prelim <laughs> yeah. primer earlier this week or earlier today right. in. Uh, I I just made these picks based on looking at the card. I hadn't even looked at the odds yet. I pulled them up and I was like, man, I went, yep. I went with a lot of freaking dogs. Well, we'll let Dan be our guinea pig here, and we'll we'll, we'll see how how this plays out. So, um, we are brought to you by PropSwap. Did you know that everybody? Uh, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on NBA championship tickets when you buy directly from other bettors on PropSwap. See a ticket you like but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time with one click of a button. And PropSwap gives you a suggested price tool to let you know how much your ticket is worth. This week, a PropSwap customer sold a $200 12-to-1 odds Phoenix Suns championship ticket for $1,200. So they are dumb because if they held on to it, they would have got 
what, 24? They would have got double their money because the Suns are going to win, obviously, everybody. Anyhow, they still got a five times return for the seller and adjusted odds of minus 160 for the buyer. Better than every sports book in the country. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to... Uh, how about me try this again? Prop, with PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. Think of it like the stock market but for sports betting. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. Thinking of the Phoenix Suns three wins away from NBA title gets me all tongue twisted here. So. <laughs> Bound to happen. It's been uh, 28 years. Yes, 28 years. All right, prelims. Like I said, ESPN, 8 p.m. Beeler, B square, uh, middleweight. These prelims are actually pretty fire. If uh, as the kids used to say, I don't know if kids still say fire or not, but they're fire regardless. Middleweights. Dracus Duplessis. It's been a while since I butchered her name. Dracus Duplessis. I don't think I'm saying his name right, Dan. How do you say his name? Duplessis. Yeah. Dracus Duplessis. That was close. Versus Trevin Giles. Um, the police has not been around too long, so I haven't mastered his name, I guess. That's my excuse. Um, let's go with Trevin Giles. Nick, he's got a nickname, The Problem. Duplices has a nickname, Still Knox, all one word, and it doesn't translate Doesn't translate to anything. Uh, I think I'll go with The Problem as a better nickname since I don't know what Still Knox means. Do yeah, you know what Still I, Knox means? I don't, but it, it reeks of when uh, when Hector Lombard changed his name to nickname to, oh, damn, what the hell was it? Show Showweather? Was it? You remember oh, really? that was all, it was all one yeah, word. I it was. Do kind of remember that? Yeah, it was. It was Hector Showweather Lombard, and it was all one word. And this kind of feels like that. Still knocks, and it's all one word, and it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> what a disappointment Lombard was. He was uh, had high hopes for him. He was such a scary fighter in Bellator, and it just didn't work out in the UFC. But them's the breaks. Um, all right, let's go with this problem first. Fourteen and two. Six knockouts, five submissions. Uh, he's lost twice. Both of his losses, actually, are via submission, so that's something to keep in mind because he's fighting someone who submits the majority of his uh, wins. Uh, he is 5-2 in the UFC. He's won three straight fights. He has grappling stats in his favor. He's at minus 105. This is basically a pick him on the board. He's at minus 105. Uh, Duplices is at minus 125. Still knocks, I mean. Still knocks is at minus 125. Uh, still knocks is 15-2 with six knockouts, Nine submissions. He's never gone to the distance. Um, so all his wins are via finish, and all his losses are via finish also. Uh, he has won an only UFC via knockout. He was the EFC champ in South Africa, which we tend to <laughs> talk about that crap league all the time, don't we? Yeah, I, I think we talked pretty extensively about it on Sunday, did we not? Yeah, we did. And, we, and we, that wasn't the first time either. It's very strange. Um, so anyhow, he was the champ there. He also was the champ of KSW, which is a more reputable league over in, uh, based out of Poland. Poland, right? Yeah. Yes, Poland. Um, he's won three straight fights, as uh, just like his opponent, but only one of those were in the UFC. He is an inch taller, two inches of reach, two years younger. He's two and a half times more active striker than, more a more active striker than Giles, but that's based on one fight. Like I said, he's minus 125, Giles is minus 105. I think I'm leaning Giles, but we'll we'll see if Dan uh, convinces me the other way. So I'm going to go with a favorite on this one. I'm going to go with oh, a, the my. very slight favorite, Dragon's Two Places. Uh, for yeah. me, the difference maker in this is um, – so I first of all I think Duplesis is a much better counter striker. Um so when Trevin Giles comes forward, he's going to have to be 
he, he's going to have to hit that jab and get the hell out of there. Uh, I, I don't think it's a good idea for him to stand in, in with any extended combinations and risk taking a counter left hand because Duplices puts people out with it. If you actually look at four of his last seven wins, it's by TKO, and, and a lot of those are the counter left hand just hurting people. His UFC debut was that. And then you also look back at, at Trevin Giles and, and you say, okay, so he is on a three-fight winning streak, which is good for him. He, he lost two in a row prior to that, and if you look at both of them, it was both shooting really crappy takedowns when he got tired in a fight and getting guillotined, both by guys who are good at jiu-jitsu, uh, in both Gerald Nearshar and Zach Cummins, uh, who I like both of those guys, but shooting bad takedowns on those guys and getting guillotined. Drakus Duplices, I, I just told you, four of his last seven are by TKO and, and largely with counter-strikes. The other three are all guillotine jokes. Um, so, like, if you shoot a bad guillotine on this guy, he can finish you. I also like his sweeps in, in his work from the ground. He did really good against Roberto Soldic in the uh, – in, in actually both of his their fights for the, the KSW middleweight belt. And, like, that's a really high-level opponent for him to have fought twice, um, much, much higher than Trevin Giles, in my opinion. So, I, I actually like his ability here to either counter if it's going to stay on the feet and, and Giles tries to put together any extended combinations, or – if Giles does want to shoot, I, I don't think that favors him either. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Duplices on this one. Look at that. Look at me. I'm taking a favorite. I think I'm actually going to go with Duplices too now that I look more over the stats and stuff too. This submission is a very clear path to victory. Um, plus, he probably hits a lot harder than Giles too. He so. hits a lot harder than probably yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with the places. We'll uh, we've we've differed on a few already. We can we can go the same here. Uh, this is a very interesting fight because Brian Hall is finally going to get back into the cage, the jiu-jitsu wizard. Uh, so featherweights, Ryan Hall versus Ilya Tapuria. Um, we got Ryan Hall, the wizard. I just called him a wizard, um, and he is a wizard. And Tapuria El Matador, which I think translates to the Matador. I, think. <laughs> I, I um, believe that's correct. Yes. <laughs> what should I? What nickname is better? What do you think? I think the wizard, just because of how fitting it is for Ryan Hall. Like Taporia is yeah. not a matador. Like that, we're going to talk about it in a second. But that dude just fucking comes at you. Like he he yeah. doesn't take a step back. He's much more of a bull than he is a matador. That's true. That's true. Maybe uh, he yeah maybe um, he he picked that nickname because of that uh, to. Uh, um, I can't talk, Dan, but yeah, maybe uh, ironic. Ir- irony, that's the word to look for. Maybe he was trying to be ironic, but probably not. He doesn't seem to be a humorous fellow. So let's, let's break down the wizard first. He's 8-1 and one as an MMA fighter. Two knockouts, three submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. He's 4-0 in the UFC. He was 2-1 and one in the Ultimate Fighter house before going on to become the Ultimate Fighter champion. He's not fun since July of 2019. He is a multiple-time uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion. He's three inches taller. He's got one inch reach. He's at plus 195. Mr. Matador is 10-0 and 0 with two knockouts, seven submissions. He's 2-0 in the UFC. He won his last fight via knockout. He's 12 years younger, more active striker, uh, better grappling stats, minus 250. Um, you're a grappling nerd, Dan, but I'm going to go on the limb, and I'm thinking you're going to pick Tapiria in this one. You're wrong. I'm going to take Ryan Hall. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. I, I'm going to take Ryan Hall. In, in It's not just my grappling nerdum that, that likes Ryan Hall in this fight. I actually – I went back and, and watched him fight Darren Elkins. Um, and one of the things you will note about his fight with Darren Elkins is he looks great on the feet. 
Like, he throws really good kicks on the feet. He had, like, a couple of hook kicks that landed on, on Elkins and stunned him. And he also seems to be putting emphasis on learning more about the striking game and looking better at it. And yeah, we it's been two years since we've seen him, but I kind of have a lot of faith that he's going to grow in that those two years, too, particularly in the striking. Topuria, as strong as he is and as much as he moves forward and as hard as he hits, I just think one of the problems is, is first of all, is that any time anybody moves forward like that on Ryan Hall, what does he do? What did he do to Gray Maynard? What did he do to BJ Penn? What did he do to Darren Elkins when they push forward like that? He, he fell to his ass immediately. Was I supposed to answer? No, no. I'm sorry. Well, I, mean, I mean, you, you could have. I, I gave you a small gap. but He fell on his ass. He fell Dan. on his ass, and he fell down and invited him to the ground. And so so basically what you're saying here is that the inside striking of Ilya Tapuria is irrelevant. So you have to ask yourself, can he win a, a very distant striking battle, which I, I don't see him doing, and... Is he just going to engage with him when he does flop, when he does fall to his butt? Is Tapuria going to get in there? And judging by all the interviews, Tapuria thinks he is a superior grappler and that he's going to sub Ryan Hall. And as you mentioned, he's a multi-time world champion. Whether or not Tapuria has got a black belt in jiu-jitsu, it's sort of irrelevant to me because he's a 24-year-old guy without very much, like, in-cage experience. I mean, he beat Yusef Zalal, who's got, like, a noted grappling issue, and he knocked out Damon Jackson in almost no time. But apart from that, like, you know, like regional wins against kind of nobodies with the exception of maybe, like, Brian Buland, who's a, a pretty good Belgian fighter in the Cage Warriors fight. So, like, he's not fighting a whole lot of dudes out there, and he's definitely never fought somebody who grapples like Ryan Hall. So if you just think you can go to the ground with him and be fine... I think Ryan Hall subs you, and if it stays on the feet at a distance, and he does just, like, back away anytime Hall falls, I actually think Hall's going to win a point fight there, too. Yeah, I, I'm going Hall. Um, I think uh, Tapiria, his talking, plus the, the fact that he, the stats also show he relies on his on his grappling to win fights. He wins the majority of fights via submission. I think that's going to get him in trouble here, uh, for sure, so... We're both going with the wizard to put a spell on the matter, I guess, <laughs> or something like that. All right, uh, the People's Fight is up next, uh, as the people in the Slack channel are calling it. Um, people's main event, actually. Uh, welterweight, Nico Price versus Michelle Pereira. Uh, should be fire again. Um, Nico, the hybrid price. Michelle, Demolador Pereira, which means the demolisher. I, I'm going with demolisher because that's basically what he is. He's a wild man. Yeah, and, and I don't uh, – Nico Price, I mean, maybe you can call him the hybrid. hybrid. He is, there is no two things coming together to make that guy. That is a whole lot of randomness. <laughs> yes, it is. Let's uh, let's break down the randomness. Uh, Mr. Nico Price is 14-4, two no uh, contests, 10 knockouts, three submissions, so we've we got a finisher on our hands. Uh, he's lost three of his four losses that come via knockout. He's never lost a decision, so he's got three knockout losses, one Submission loss. You may want to go within the distance for this one if you're going about it. He is six and four with two no contests in the UFC. Last uh, his last fight was a draw, which was overturned to a no contest because he failed a drug test. But I think it was for weed or whatever you kids call it. It, it was one of those things. I think it was a, it was a uh, recreational drug flunk, right? As far as, do you, yeah, you, I, I believe okay. it was. Which, by the way, yeah. uh, in current events for, yes. for MMA today. Uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission no longer uh, cares if fighters have smoked weed as long as they do not yep. arrive to the cage impaired. 
There you go. Makes sense to me. Um, all right. Over his last three fights, he's got uh, one of everything, a win, a loss, and a no contest, uh, which was actually a draw. So he really does have one of everything there. Um, he's got three inches of reach. He's more after striker, plus 135. Demolador, Demolador, that's how you say it. Um, Demolador Pereira is 25 and 11 with also two no contests. This is wild, this many no contests, these guys. He also has 10 knockouts, but he also has seven submissions. Uh, he's more of a submission guy than Price is. Three and two in the UFC. However, he's won his last two fights. Uh, he lost the two before that. He's missed weight once. It's something to keep uh, keep in mind on. Fighters who miss weight, go into my stats here. We won't know if you miss weight until Friday morning, but fighters who miss weight have only won 37% of the times in the past year and a half. So it's something to keep in mind. Um, he is an inch taller, four years younger. Striking stats in his favor, grappling stats in his favor, minus 170. He's also, he has me in his favor as well. Uh, I'm going to take Nico Price in this one. Really? Uh, I am just going to keep running underdogs for days. Um, yeah, and l- listen, I-, I think Michelle Pereira, if he fights like he did against Chaos Williams, wins this fight. Um, here's the problem. Chaos Williams basically walked him into fighting that fight, right? Chaos Williams' style is he, he stands kind of tall, kind of stationary, and looks for a big shot, which just kind of played into Michelle Pereira fighting a much safer fight, staying away from that big shot. He didn't try to, and, and excuse the pun, Chaos didn't try to induce Chaos. And actually, that's where <laughs> I think I think your best chance of beating Michelle Pereira is, is just to... Embrace the chaos, make it as silly as possible, and let Pereira tire himself out because he's going to, right? Like if you if you go in and throw some wild haymakers, that dude is going to do a backflip off the edge of the cage, probably three somersaults and two cartwheel kicks, and he's going to be tired. And I think Nico Price is the perfect style of opponent to goad him into that horseshit again, right? Like, Nico Price is crazy in his own right. So if Nico Price gets him to fight that kind of fight... It's not like Pereira is going to finish Price, right? Like, Vicente Luque used his face as a punching bag, and, and if they, the doctors didn't stop it because his eye was going to explode, he would have just kept fighting, and he was looking better and better and better against Vicente Luque as the fight went. So I think, you know, like, he's probably going to have to weather an early storm, but as long as he turns that into a storm, I actually like him here against Michelle Pereira. I'm going to go dog again. Okay, um, I disagree, but that's quite all right. Um, I'm setting the over-under on cartwheels at one and a half. What are you taking? Um, with Nico Price in there, I'm going to say over because I'm, I am not, I would not be surprised if Michelle Pereira tries to throw one and then Nico Price tries to throw one in retaliation. <laughs> oh, so it could be a, a cartwheel death match. Yeah. As, uh, as another podcast I wasn't do mention. All right, cartwheel death match coming up here, guys. Anyhow, it should be uh, should be a fun fight. Get people wet people's appetite for the main card, uh, as um, as does the prelim main event. Uh, another welterweight battle between Carlos Natural Born Killer Condit and Max Payne Griffin. Natural Born Killer wins the nickname battle, correct? Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Especially it's a, it's because do you, do you know the history of where Max Griffin's nickname comes from? Max uh, Max, Max Payne. Payne? Yeah. So it it, yeah. it does just sound like perhaps it is a, a reference to The Simpsons, right? Max Payne, uh, or no, yeah. he's Max Power, right? In The Simpsons, Max, yes, Max Power. Max Payne was something else. Yeah. 
So Max Payne is his nickname based uh, on his days as a rapper, which he was briefly oh, or, or believed right. he was going to be a rapper at one point in time. So, yeah, uh, he thought he was going to be a rapper, so there's that. <laughs> is he better than Tyrone Woodley on the mic, though? Can't be worse. <laughs> Can't be worse. <laughs> Damn, take that. Fire. All right, uh, let's break down Condit first. Um Age before beauty. Uh, he's 32 and 13 with 15 knockouts, 13 submissions. That's insane amount of finishes, uh, 28 finishes on his record. He has been subbed six times uh, in the UFC. He's uh, not six in the UFC, six times overall. Uh, he's 9-9 nine and nine in the UFC. He's won his last two fights, though. He looked very good in his last fight. Um, they were his only wins over his last seven fights, though. Uh, way back in the olden days, he was the interim uh, welterweight champion. He he was the legit uh, WEC, WC Never Die. He was the legit champion there where he was 5-0. and Made his pro debut in 2002. Damn, what were you doing in 2002? I was like 2002, uh, I was yet, to, or I was just about to attend high school, depending on the month you were, you're talking about. Okay, there you go. Um, he's three inches taller than Griffin, and he's at plus 150 for this fight. Uh, Griffin... 17 and 8 with nine knockouts, two submissions, five and six in the UFC. He's got his last two fights. He's won both of them via TKO, comma knockout. Um, he's three and two over his last five. Inch taller, one year younger, which is shocking that he's only a year younger. Condit's been around for 20 years. Um, striking and active striking stats in his favor, minus 190. I'll I'll take Griffin. I, I I'm not buying that Condit uh, has. Despite looking good in his last fight, I'm not buying that he has anything left to give, and he's a her. Uh, not that his horrendous grappling is gonna probably bite him in this fight, but um, regardless, I'm taking pain. Let's see if Dan's going for dog again. I'm gonna go favorite this one. Uh, I'm gonna go Max Griffin as well. I, I will say this. Uh, I'll say this. Carlos Condit's grappling looked better in his last two fights. He actually out wrestled Matt Brown, and, and really that was largely the reason he won that fight. Um, but yeah, like the, the thing is, is that Max Griffin seems to be getting better, um, right now on, on this part of the trajectory of his career right now. And he is older too, which is, yeah, like you said, very surprising. Um, but like his last two times out since he started working with team alpha male, which he's doing half and half with his usual gym and gold, he's finished two opponents in a row and kind of brutally too, right? Like he beat the ear off of Ramiz Brahimai literally, uh, nearly. And then, uh, he, I mean, that knockout against Kanan Song was really brutal as well. So, I mean, like he is dropping hammers out there. He looks looser out there. His striking looks better. And I just don't see Condit being able to use his wrestling. You know, like that, that's the big problem for me. It's not necessarily whether or not Condit can defend the wrestling of Max Griffin. It's like, if he can't use it, I'm not sure he's going to win a striking match with Max either. So, for that, the, all those reasons, yeah, I, I do like Max Griffin in this one. We are embracing the pain here, you can say, Dan, right? And we're that. You, fa- you face the pain, right? Isn't that the. I said that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you can embrace it too. Oh, yeah, the UFC. The UFC song, yes. Um, anyhow. <laughs> Enough of that. So 40 minutes in or so, and we're, we haven't even got to the main card yet. Imagine, uh, that's why you guys listen here. We, we give you in-depth analysis, even if we have another whole damn podcast to record after this one. And Dan, this is probably Dan's like, you already said you did record one today, didn't you? This is your second podcast already? This is my second of the day. That's that's correct. Oh, boy. And then another one coming with me, and then is that it? 
That that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna cap it off at three today. <laughs> Slacker. All right. Um, last two sponsors. Then we'll give you our patented, trademarked, uh, famous, world famous uh, ad free main card breakdown. Let's tell you about Underdog first. Make sure to head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a free $25. And if you do that, you can sign up for a free shot at a million dollars because they have a million-dollar best ball contest on right now. Um, also, make sure uh, – this this is the important thing. Draft day is happening the July 13th at 1 p.m. Pacific time, and our boss, one of our bosses, Ryan Real Money Kramer, is drafting underdog best ball teams for 24 hours straight. Uh, you can hop on the stream and draft with Kramer and the guys. I'm sure he'll have plenty of special guests dropping in. Um, plus, we'll be giving out 15 free entries to Best Ball Mania 2. If that isn't enough, we also have a $500 draft day props contest based off of Kramer that you can only enter in the app. So download the app and sign up at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And we, on the sportsgamblingpodcast.com site, we just posted a um, – Props for Kramer's 24-hour marathon. How many bathroom breaks? How many times will he actually fall asleep on air? That type of thing. So check that out also. Uh, and also make sure you download the SGPN app. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all our picks and podcasts. You actually get a notification pop up on your phone every time your favorite podcast drops. Um, so make sure when, when you do download it, make sure you do toss up an app review. Um, and tell everyone how great we are. And make sure you download the app today. All right, main card, Sugar. I thought it was Sugar, but it's actually Sugar, Sean O'Malley versus Chris Motino, who does not have a nickname that I could find. Uh, maybe Dan knows otherwise because he is a Massachusetts guy. Um, and Dan may or may not live there. Who knows? Um, so th- they're fighting in a bantamweight fight. Uh, Motino is filling in on short notice. Um, I'll tell you his... Obviously, uh, Sugar wins the nickname because there is no nickname for Motino. Um, Motino is 9-4 with three knockouts, one submission. Um, of his losses, two are via knockout, two are via submission, so he's been finishing all of his losses. He's won his last two fights, but he lost his two fights before that. He's taken this in very short notice. Uh, he just fought, last fought, May the 28th. He's at plus 550. Uh, Sean O'Malley, 13-1 and one with nine knockouts, one submission, 5-1 in the UFC. He won via KO his last fight. He's 1-0 in the Contender Series. Four inches taller, five inches reach, two years younger, minus 900. Uh, he's my pick, but I'm not going near minus, minus 900. Um, you want to tell us anything about Matino? Yeah, I mean. Before you pick against him? I, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take Sean O'Malley here, too. I, I don't love that number. I, I think that number is kind of criminal, to be completely honest, because I think Matino is much better than that. And, and if you look back at Matino's record, I mean, like, he has fought some really good guys in there. Like, he, he fought Tony Gravely, who's in the UFC, Johnny Campbell, who was on the Contender Series. I, I know his his record doesn't see see look like it, but Ashik Ajim is an absolute beast that he fought last time. Uh, you know, Chael Sonnen has been touting Ashik Ajim as, like, the next coming. He, he said he would fly. Ashik Ajim anywhere in the whole world if, if a promoter would find an opponent for him. Um, and they found him, Chris Mutino, and Mutino took an absolute beating from him early in the fight and then just, like, has the gas tank to come forward and continue fighting and, like, knocked him out in the second round and looked great doing it. He's also got low-key good wrestling and good submission skills when he gets on the mat. You know, he's coming off an arm triangle choke victory. 
Look, I, I don't think he is going to beat Sean O'Malley here, but I do think he's going to make it interesting enough that people are going to be like, oh, shit, who's this Chris Martino guy? Because, I mean, like, for a while, and, and he is only 28, when he was coming up, people were talking about him being, like, one of the guys from the Northeast that you had to keep an eye on. You know, he ran into a couple of tough patches here and there, but, like, I, I think he could actually make this a pretty interesting fight. But, but bottom line is O'Malley is such a talented striker that, like, it's just going to take him getting his hands on, on Mutino one time. Um, but it would be interesting to see if Mutino you know, gets in there and gets gritty first. So some value on the fi- 550 if someone wants to throw a few bucks on that? Yeah, and I've actually seen him as high as 600, uh, which I, I think is you know pretty crazy. So, yeah, I, w- I would say there's definitely value on that, to, especially if you're just throwing a few bucks on it here and there. You know, like I, I wouldn't say – you know, put your normal play on, on Chris Matino. That's kind of crazy. But, you know, putting half of what you normally put on somebody or even a quarter, because it's going to pay six to one, uh, it's still going to feel like a big hit, even if you just put a little bit on him. And you can brag about it. That's the main thing. You got bragging rights. <laughs> um, Matino is not he's not a wrestler, wrestling first guy, right? I wouldn't say he's a wrestling first guy, but he does have, uh, like I said, I think he's got underrated wrestling. He is coming off an arm okay. triangle choke win. I do think his jiu-jitsu is good. No, he, he does un- undoubtedly like to strike first. Uh, you know, like the couple of times I've seen him live, he wants to go in there and kickbox. Um, you know, he, he knocked a guy out in 10 seconds with a head kick way back when. So, like, that's the kind of fight he likes, um, which is probably why Sean O'Malley chose him as an opponent. But... Uh, yeah, I think ultimately, you know, the best path here for him would be trying to use some of that wrestling. I, I don't know if they'll get a chance to, though. Okay, the reason I asked that is uh, one of the inmates on our Slack channel wants to know how long before the UFC actually matches O'Malley with a wrestler and not a striker. He, he gets that they want to build him up, but he wonders, you know, how many more years are we going to go before we actually see him get tested by a wrestler? Any thoughts on that? I think it's going to be a while. Uh, I, I yeah. think they're, they're feeling kind of that same, you know, I, I mentioned it on the prelim primer, actually, that I think they're treating him a lot like, uh, or maybe it was on the after talking about the on the prelim primer. Regardless, I think they're treating him a lot like they should have treated Sage Northcutt. I think they're worried that they're going to feed him to Wolves too early and, and have him get beat. Because two of the other guys who offered to step in here for this fight before they went out of the UFC to find Chris Mutino were Tim Elliott and Ricky Simon. And both of those guys are absolute phenomenal grapplers. And I'd actually probably favor them over Sean O'Malley at this point in his career. And so, like, for those two to have thrown their name into the hat and O'Malley to have wound up fighting somebody outside of the UFC, like, oh, man, I think... I think it's pretty obvious that they're not giving him a set. I mean, like, look at who he was originally supposed to fight. He was originally supposed to fight Louis Smolka. So, like, they're definitely babying him now because they know how marketable he is and, and how good he is for business. So, and, and you definitely can't blame him on that front. Yep. No, it makes sense. He's, he's a, a young guy also. So, um, no, uh, no issues with that. Um, all right. He just got. He says some dumb things sometimes. I have any, any. He has clown hair. Other than so, that, sometimes he says some dumb things. Sometimes. Get out of here. Well, sometimes, he doesn't talk sometimes. He <laughs> sleeps once a while. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, he has that's to eat fair. once a while. Um, all right, women's bantamweight is moved to. This is probably a de facto number one contender match. Um, if all all things being equal, and there's it's a fair and just sport, which uh, of course it always is. Um, Irene Aldana versus Yana Kuniskaya. 
Kuniskaya stole my nickname, a foxy, and um, Aldana's nickname is Robles, which translates to oak trees. <laughs> oak trees for a nickname. Um, I guess I have to go with foxy, obviously, because that's my nickname, even though I'm not a huge fan of it, but you can't pick your own nickname, so... I'll pick Foxy. I think I'll take Foxy, but I did not know yeah. that that's what Robles meant. <laughs> I looked it up. Oak, uh, yeah, uh, it's Spanish for oak trees. So hmm. if you ever have you you've had her on the on your show before, haven't you? Are you Aldana? Aldana? Maybe not. No, Maybe but not. I, I will tell you that her her middle name uh, is also Robles. Um, no, really? Yeah. So okay. I, yeah, I was gonna mm. say that seems wrong, but I I looked it up and yeah, her her middle name is that too. So. Maybe she's using Strange. that as a nickname, but uh, I also think it's probably – it sounds kind of like another last name. Maybe it is her mom's maiden name. It's true, but Oak, oak Trees is funny. <laughs> <Thinking about it. laughs> yeah, let's call her Oak Trees. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. My, my former nickname was Foxy. My new nickname is Juicy, Juicy Jeff, Juicy which Jeff. I – I want to embrace, but I keep forgetting to embrace it every episode. So, um, all right, let's go with this one. Basically, a pick them on the board. I usually go with the underdog first, but um, Kuniskaya minus one ten, uh, Aldana minus one twenty. So uh, we'll go with Foxy first. Uh, the fiance of Diego Moretta Santos um, isn't Moretta means like sledgehammer or something. It does it? exactly mean there you the go. Giant See, sledgehammer that is on his chest. <laughs> that is, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, all right, Kuniskaya, 14-5 with one no contest. Uh, half her wins would come via knockouts, so seven knockouts, one submission. Four and two in the UFC. She's won two straight in four of her last five. Uh, she had quite the debut in the UFC. She got to fight Chris Cyborg for the belt in her very first UFC fight. Um, before this, she was the Invicta Bantamweight champion, where she was 1-1 with one no contest. She's also one year younger than Aldana. I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed the other way around. But um, Grappling stats in her favor. Minus 110 on the board. Um, Aldana, uh, Ms. Oak Trees, is 12-6 and six with six knockouts, three submissions, so she's uh, a finisher. They both are, actually. 5-4 um, and four in the UFC, 2-2 two and two over her last four. She lost her last fight. She also was in, in, in the Victa, where she was 4-1. and one. She's three inches taller. Um, the more active striker of the two, she's at minus 120. Uh, break this one down for me, Dan. This is a, quite an interesting fight. Maybe... Um, most con- no, well, one of the most consequential fights on the card. Probably uh, there's probably three fights that actually have title consequences. This would be one of them. Yeah, well, I'll start by telling you first of all that I don't think this is a number one contender fight. I think this undoubtedly the winner of this is the lucky recipient of a headliner fight against uh, Holly Holm or Jermaine Durant. I was going to say Holly Holm. <laughs> or Holly or Holm. Jermaine Durant to me, because Reno Aldana's coming off of a loss to Holly Holm. Whereas, oh, right, yes. Whereas Yana two wins. I don't think Yana Kuditskaya has fought either of them, if I'm I'm not mistaken. So, like, yeah, depending on who wins, the other one gets a, that one gets a headliner against one of those two uh, on a fight night yeah. card. And then the winner of that, which is probably Holly Holm, uh, winds up with yet another title shot. So I'll say this. Uh, the the part that worries me about Irene Aldana is just how bad she looked against Holly Holm's wrestling. She looked awful against Holly Holm's wrestling. Like, Holly Holm took her down at will. And not only took her down at will, moved through her guard at will, moved through uh, in the mount at will, and, and not that Yana Kunitskaya is this, like, amazing wrestler who who is going to plow through everybody. But, like, if you look at her fight with Ketlin Vieta, who is a great grappler. Like, I, I think very highly of Ketlin Vieta. 
Catlin Vieira lost that fight because Kunitskaya didn't take her down, but did sweep her and wind up on top and did damage when she was on top. Um, and, and then, like, she took down Julia Stolyarenko, who, you know, didn't look great recently, but, like, is also a tough out. You know, she took down Marianne Renault, she took down Lena Landsberg, she actually took down Cyborg, which I think people forget. Like, she fought Cyborg for the title when they were just trying to make the 145-pound title the Cyborg title, and, like, Kunitskaya got her down in there, and, like, yeah, she didn't stay on top for long, but... Man, that's got to be worth something. And I think, you know, the the problem with Aldana, that being her biggest weakness, and it looking good for Kunitskaya, is also, while I think Aldana has the striking advantage, I don't think it's so pronounced that, like, Kunitskaya couldn't also win a striking match. So I, I think, you know, with that being so close on the feet and there being such a disparity in the grappling realm, I'm going to go with Kunitskaya here. Who, yeah, me too. Who's, who's technically another dog? Is that another dog? Yeah, minus 110. Technically, she's a dog. Look at minus that. 110. Yeah. Let's rack them up. There you go. Rack them up. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking her too. Um, she really impressed me her last uh, last fight. Um, yeah, and I think she can get the job done here. All right, finally, some chunky guys. After all this, <laughs> almost an hour of talking, and we haven't had any chunky guys yet. Um, heavyweights, Tai Tuivasa versus uh, America's Sweetheart, uh, Greg Hardy. I think that's his nickname, isn't it? America's Sweetheart? I, I couldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. No, um, probably they do not. have nicknames, actually. Legit nicknames. Uh, not, uh, we got Bam Bam for Tuivasa. He's also known as Shuivasa now because um, he likes to do shoeies, which is taking someone else's shoe and drinking beer or, I guess, any kind of alcohol out of it. So, yes. Um Greg Hardy is the Prince of War, um, which is, yeah, when you're a domestic uh, abuser, that's a great nickname to have, Prince of War. Um, let's break this one down. Let's do America's Sweetheart first, Greg Hardy. He's at 7-3 with one no contest. Um, he's got six knockouts. He's 4-3 and three with one no contest in the UFC. He was 2-0 in the Contender Series. He got TKO'd his last fight. He's won two of his last three. He's three inches taller, five inches reach. Um... He has to cut to get. He, he almost. He had to. He, he almost missed. Technically he almost weight. missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he technically missed, which is would have been the first time ever for a heavyweight to miss weight. Um, which you think it would happen because there's a lot of big guys to cut down. Like Brock Lesnar used to have to cut down. I think um, Derek Lewis has to cut. I think a lot of guys cut. But anyhow, he, he had to take a couple a uh, couple of cracks at the uh, weigh in um, to make 266. Anyhow, um, he's three inches taller, also five inches of reach. Um, striking and active striking stats in his favor. Grappling stats also in his favor. He's at plus 108. Um, bam, bam, 11 and three with 10 knockouts. So you may want to pick finish for this one uh, via knockout, no matter who you take. Five and three in the UFC. He's won his last two fights via some form of knockout, uh, technical knockout. He lost three straight before then. I think he was technically released at one point, like uh, low-key released. And then these is that... Am I remembering that right? Yeah, I don't think he ever fought outside of the UFC, but I think no. after that Spivak loss, uh, he pulled out of a fight and they they canned him or or took him out of the rankings or something like that, and then he wound yeah. up back in it in, in almost no time. Yeah, I don't know if it was official, but yeah, um, I thought he he was he was Gandhi, but he's saved his career basically. Uh, he's five years younger. He's at minus one thirty five. <sighs> it hurts me to take America's sweetheart, but I think I'm going to just for the power and the size. I know he has horrible cardio and I know he's a horrible person, but I think I'm going to take him. All these stats are, are telling me to take him. So I think I'm just going to have to uh, go with my brain and take him at plus money. 
I, I'm not going to take him on this one. I, I think uh, I'm going to go with Ty Tuivasa, and not just because I think he's uh, Greg Hardy's a scumbag, uh, but also because the thing about uh, about Ty Tuivasa is is like look at the people who have knocked him out in his whole career. All right, I'm going to read you the list: Junior Dos Santos, and that's it. Just Junior Dos Santos is the only person who's knocked this man out. And it's not like he hasn't faced other dudes who hit hard, right? Like, he's a heavyweight. You know, he's a guy who outpointed Andre Arlovsky. So we, we know and knew Andre Arlovsky, the Andre Arlovsky who does like to play a careful battle. He's He's gone in there and played the careful battle. And he's gone in there and played, like, I can just knock you out in no time at all. And, like, with the exception of a couple of guys who could, like, control the positioning on him and not get tired, like Sergei Spivak... He's just murdered people in there. The dude's got a great overhand, right? He's got the ability to tag people. I just have to imagine he's the right kind of opponent to hurt Greg Hardy, A. And B, even if he can't hurt him early, he he takes a punch extremely well. And I just imagine Greg Hardy going to be exhausted pretty quickly. Yeah, this one's not going the distance, right? I don't think so, but I will say... It, it wouldn't super surprise me if Hardy tired out and, like, Tuivasa just was, like, unloading on right hands and couldn't get the finish. Because, like, the the reason Greg Hardy got finished last time out, um, which was by Marcin Tybura, was because Tybura took him down, right, and, and beat him up there. I don't think you're going to see that with Tuivasa. So even a really tired Greg Hardy is just going to be, like, back against the cage, like getting hit once to the body and once to the head and then, like, circling, then getting hit once to the body, once to the head, and then circling. And I don't think that is enough to take him out of there. Uh, But, like, you know, like, maybe the ref calls it off with a standing TKO or something like that. But, yeah, like, I I kind of expect Tuivasa to win this. But, yeah, I'm not 100% sold on on the finish. Okay. Fair enough. I will be – on, for the record, I'll be fine if I get that, that, this uh, pick for that fight wrong. Uh, no problem at all. Um, all right, welterweight, co-main event. This may or may not be also a, a number one contender fight because welterweight division is pretty screwy right now. we got Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Gilbert Dorino Burns. Dorino translates to hard. Um, Wonderboy uh, is the pick for nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. Um it is a legendary one. All right, um, we'll go with Burns first. 19-4, six knockouts, eight submissions, 12-4 and four in the UFC. He won six of his last seven fights. Uh, he did get TKO'd in his last fight. Um, that was against Kamara Usman, correct, for the belt? Yeah. So no no shame in that. Um, he is multiple-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion. He's three years younger than Wonder Boy, um, who's really a Wonder Man at this point. Uh, he's at plus 120. Uh, Wonder Man, 16-4-1 with seven knockouts, one submission, 11-4-1 in the UFC. He's won two straight, three of five, two inches taller, four inches of reach. Striking and active striking stats in his favor, minus 150. Uh, he's my pick. I think he's going to be sniping Burns by distance, and his um, defensive wrestling is uh, good enough to keep this on the feet. I, I see him. may not be pretty, but I see him uh, getting his hand raised at the end of this one. Yeah, and not only do I think his defensive wrestling is good enough, I think his his footwork and distance management is good enough to make it so that Burns really can't shoot a takedown, 
like he, he's never going to be close enough to. Um, and, and add into the idea right. too that like Burns also really loves Burns' hands. Like like Gilbert Burns yeah. has fallen in love with the idea that yeah he's got really good jujitsu, but he can also starch people. And, and like that ain't it against Stephen Thompson. Like he has to turn this into a grappling match, but. There's the chance he just falls in love with his hands and thinks he can land the big knockout. There's a chance he can't ever get close enough to do the actual takedown in the first place. And then there's the fact that he's going to be getting hit pretty badly on the feet. It wouldn't surprise me for Thompson to just absolutely put it on him here for a finish. You said it might not be pretty. I actually think it might be pretty for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And that would be good. Yeah, I mean, like, it would be good because I'd love to see him leapfrog uh, Colby Covington for that title shot, seeing as Colby is just kind of, like, on the shelf, assuming that that fight is his. Um, but, like, yeah, I think Wonderboy is going to look exceptionally good in this fight because I think it's just a bad style matchup for Gilbert Burns. Yep. Uh, Thompson is the pick. Um, we're on the same page there. All right, main event time. Lightweight rematch. Actually, the last fight was Welchway, was it not? Um, no, the last one was No, it was Lightweight. The one before that was, yeah, these, was they, Featherweight. Feather, yeah, that's right. They bounce around so much, these uh, these guys. Um, all right, these guys would be Dustin the Diamond, Poye and Connor, Notorious McGregor. Oh, what nickname to go with here? Hmm. I, I, what do you like better? I mean, like I'm a, I, I think you have to go with notorious. It's like one. Yeah. Of the, it's, like, it's notorious. It's iconic. It is. An, it's a notorious nickname. Yeah. Um, and this one also is base almost to pick them on the board, depending on where you see it. Um, the numbers I have when I did the um, when I checked points bet uh, were minus 105 for McGregor, minus 120 for Poirier. But uh, I, I've seen those bounce all over the place, so they're all real close to, to the pick'em range. So let's uh, break down McGregor first. Uh, he's 22 and five with 19 knockouts, one submission. He's lost four times via submission himself. He's never lost a decision fight, which is interesting. Um, so he's been knocked out or TKO'd once and submitted four times. He's 10 and 3 in the UFC. Uh, he's won one of his last three. He did lose his last fight to the man that he's fighting again on Saturday. He was the UFC and Cage Warriors double champion at featherweight and at lightweight. Uh, he's got two inches of reach. He's at minus, like I said, minus 105 are the, the numbers I'm going with here. Uh, Dustin Poirier, 27 and 6 with one no contest. 13 knockout, seven submissions. 19 and 5 with one no contest in the UFC. He's won two straight and six of seven. He was the UFC interim champion for a brief period. Uh, before all this, he was one one in WEC. Once again, WEC never die. Um, what else can I tell you? Striking and active striking stats in his favor, minus 120. Um, all right, Dan, give us first. Uh, I have a question. We as well go with the question first from, like I said, our inmates on the uh, SG. PN Slack channel, which you should subscribe to, all you people out there. It's lots of fun. Um, this guy wants to know why Connor will find a way to address the leg kicks and win on Saturday night. First of all, do you think he's going to address the leg kicks and, and win the fight or what? So first of all, I would say I do expect him to address it. Um, you, you don't go through a training camp like that where pretty much all people have talked about is whether or not you'll address the leg kicks and not address the leg kicks. Um, I, I think he'll address it. I don't think it will completely negate the fact that Dustin Poirier can land some leg kicks, but I do think he'll check enough that, like, it's not going to impair him to the point where 
he's irrelevant and he can't stand up and he he's like easy for a quick pot shot like like he was the first time. So I, I don't expect him to be able to stop the leg kicks, but I do expect him to be able to address them and counter them enough that he is uh, he can stay in the fight because of and won't be out of it due to leg kicks. Okay, very good. Now, uh, you want to break down the rest of the fight and give me a pick? Yeah, um, so I, I would say I, I'm going to go with Dustin Poirier here. Um, and, As and, am I. And, and I'm, I'm going to go with him. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say I would have rather gone with him back when he was an underdog in this fight, but it seems like the sharp yeah. money is coming in on Poirier, which is kind of crazy because we always talk yeah. about the D-Gen money coming in on Connor, and it seems like it's right. going the other way. That That's kind of nuts. But uh, I will say, yeah, I like Poirier in this fight because, look, bottom line is, is that, like, if, you, if you're if you Dustin Poirier in this fight, you're going to fight a little bit differently. You're, you're going to attack the legs like you are, you know, you, you did the first time. But you got to know that he's not going to go into this fight thinking that's the end-all be-all either. And what I'm going to guess that he's going to do is do what we expected him to do in the first fight. Um, put Connor against the cage, wear him out, use a couple of takedowns. And even if he doesn't get those takedowns, make Connor work. Because the thing about Connor, especially at lightweight lately, is that he ain't got a lot of energy. Um, for for me, it's kind of always been Connor's got to get you out of there early or he's not going to win. Um, you know, with the exception of the second Diaz fight, that's kind of been the case. And, and like, the second Diaz fight is kind of only that way because, well, Diaz pushes a pace he's not a big knockout threat right and Poye is a big knockout threat so I think in this fight I kind of expect Poye to just wear on Connor and and this is going to be my weird prop bet for this I'm actually going to take Poye by decision um a lot really of, yeah a lot of people think Poye is going to go in there and just blast him or Poye is going to go in there and sub him once he gets him to the ground I actually think he's just going to wear Connor out, and I think he's going to fight safe enough that he doesn't have to worry about that knockout. And Connor, I think you're going to see a safer version of Connor, too. Like, everybody talks about how he's much better in all of the rematches he's ever fought. And, and, like, you know, there's not a ton of those out there. But, like, in that Nate Diaz one, he was just a safer version of the, the what we saw in the first one and a better energy-conserving version of what we saw in the first one as a reaction to what happened in the first one. So... In this one, I expect him to react to what Poirier did, which was hurt him with leg kicks and hurt him early on. If he's just staying away from that stuff, it kind of takes a lot of Connor's Connorness away, and it's going to let Poirier just wear him out. and And I don't know that he's going to get him out of there, but I do think he's going to win enough rounds here that this is going to be uh, Poirier by decision is going to be my official pick. Interesting. No, I think Poirier wins. I think he he probably finishes them. Um, maybe it's going to be via striking, but um, I'm not sure if it's going to be TKO or if he's going to end up submitting him. But I, I see Poirier uh, winning this fight. Also, I, I he seems to be getting better while McGregor is not. I think McGregor peaked quite a while back. Um, now, so so that's the main event for you. We, we agree on the on the pick, uh, maybe not on how it finishes. Now, the the generous want. One thing DeGeneres love the most is parlays. I, I'm not a big parlay guy. <laughs> I don't like parlays, but DeGeneres love parlays. And I'm being asked, uh, give us two, a two-fight and a three-fight parlay. Do you have any parlays 
Sure. That I, you can put together for these for these. I, I always spring these to let everyone know. I always spring these things on Dan. I'd even tell him what the last episode was going to be about, and he always has answers somehow. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm springing this on him also. All right. So yeah, I, I can give you a two fight and a three fight one, and since I got a few underdogs in here, it, it, it's kind of easy to make this really large. But uh, I'm going to start by taking uh, Yana Kunitskaya. I think she is a slam dunk for a lot of different parlays because she's basically even money. So if you're getting her even money, you're, you're going to turn pretty much any two fight parlay into something that's a big plus number. And I also I'm going to put Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in just about every single parlay I do. Um, if I do a parlay this weekend, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson will be in it because he is going to pick apart Gilbert Burns. Pair those two together, you're getting plus 210. So I already like that is a, a two-leg parlay because you're going to get double your money back. And, you know, like I like to play something like that where I feel pretty safe about those two just to stick in my pocket and have, like, you know, basically win my money back on the night. But if I'm going to pair those with somebody and make it a real big one, you know, to really – you know, make this a, a large parlay. I might throw Omari Akhmedov in this one. Um, and, and if you take Yana Kuditskaya, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and Omari Akhmedov in it, you're going to get plus 645. Um, so I really, Ooh. yeah, that's juicy. And, and hey, let's, if we're going to give him a two fight and a three fight, we might as well give him a four fight too. Uh, I'm going to throw one more in there that I think all of you should add to it. And that's Hu Yaozong. So we're going to take the, the, the curtain jerker who we didn't feel super confident in which was Hu Yaozong, Omar Akhmedov, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and Yana Kunitskaya. It's going to give you 15 to 1. Um, and wow. If that's, if that's not the D-Gen stuff you came for, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. What more can we give you? Um, let's give you our locks, and then then we'll we'll bid you farewell. Do you? I think it's your turn first this week. Um, so pick a lock for us and try to um, – maybe I didn't make this clear before, but you're supposed to pick – um, a winning fight for the lock. <laughs> yeah, you, man. You seem to struggle with that. And I've been spacing on that the last couple of yeah. weeks. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I think I already tipped my hand. I'm taking Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, like I said, I, I plan on putting him in a whole bunch of parlays. If, uh, okay. he, he should win his fight with Gilbert Burns pretty easily. He was my pick for a lock, so now I'm going to have to scramble. Who do I like as um, – the second, my second pick for lock, I think I will go with, um, I think in Kunuskaya. No, I'm going with Stillnox. Drykus, Duplasses. Duplasses at minus 125. I'll take him for my lock. Um, I like that pick. So. I, I thought for right. sure you were going to go Max Payne. Uh, that, oh, that'd yeah. probably be my backup. My backup pick was Max Payne if you were going to. I couldn't remember which of us got to go first, but Wonder Boy it, and Max it, Payne were my guys. Going against old guys, I think bit me a couple week couple weeks ago. So I think that's maybe why I, I shied away from going against Condit. That may have been my my reason for that. So, all right. So let's put this one to bed. Um, Dan will be back to, to review this this episode. I will be off the grid and away for the review of UFC 264. So um, letting Dan. Um, Against my best judgment, I'm letting Dan hold down the fort. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how you, y'all like it without me. Uh, if, if he pops a big rating, maybe that means I, I won't ever come back again. But, um, I doubt that'll happen. Um, in the meantime, uh, follow us Twitter, Jeff Fox Writer. He's Gumby Vreeland. Um, make sure you subscribe to the MMA Gambling Podcast. Um, feed on whatever podcast catcher you use. Uh, read all their stuff on sportsgamblingpodcast.com and, 
MMA-Manifesto.com. Get in on our UFC 264 Pick'em Contest over there. You win awesome stuff for free. So who doesn't like awesome stuff for free? Um, I think that's all I pretty much have to tell you. Um, I am, I am and was Juicy Jeff Fox, and he is and was Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and we'll see you later. Bye-bye.